Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Daniel, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, John. Howdy. What are we talking about today, John? I don't know. What are what's, we talking about today? What's the topic that's burning in your head right now? You don't want to know the topic that's burning in my <laughs> head right now. Okay, what's the topic for the podcast that's burning in your head right now? Uh, I don't know. What is it? I don't know. Got no clue. I thought you came up with it, so un un roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> All right, so today we're talking about professionalism. Yeah. So what is professionalism to you? Man, I don't know. It's a lot. Um give us like a bullet point. Man, you pick the topic, you should have the bullet point <laughs> list and then I was just gonna like segue into your top of your bullet points yeah i mean but not like uh what do you think when you think professionalism like the elevator pitch of professionalism and there ain't as there isn't a right or wrong answer here no, i don't have a good answer for that either just because you know kind of what you alluded to professionalism is a very in-depth subject yeah it really is i yeah. mean you could go like this might mean need to be like a seven-parter yeah podcast like mm-hmm. talk about professionalism and all that good and you know Leadership and professionalism, like we talked about earlier, but yeah, you know, I guess for me, you know, um, professionalism is you know is customer service. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah, to me, professionalism is just basically not only being a good employee, but being a good helper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like every job that I've had. Um, well, I don't say every job, a couple of the jobs that I had, whenever you get the job description, you know, you see everything on those lines. Mm-hmm. Like you see, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to give examples, but basically you see like your responsibility is A, B, C, D, E, F. Mm-hmm. But after that, like there's so much more that goes into that job. You know what I mean? So whenever you think about professionalism, it's what are you doing that is kind of outside of your job description, but still a huge part of your job. Yeah. And, and I will say that that ideology of professionalism has really been watered down, um, in today's, I guess, work climate. Yeah. Um, because realistically, and you know, and there, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings, and, and it's controversial with some people, especially younger people. Um, there's a lot of this stuff that is, you know, people will say it's not a generational thing, but it is a genera- generational thing. Um, uh, but, and it's not, it's not the fact that people, it's not a generational thing where people are just flawed. It's a generational thing where people have been raised different, taught different, and they just have a different approach to being a professional or their jobs. So when you're talking about all that stuff that that all that background work and all that stuff you do behind the scenes, it's not on that piece of paper. People don't want to do that. Exactly. They feel if it's not on that piece of paper, then a, they shouldn't do it or B, they need to be paid more money to do it. Hmm. Um, and, and I, I hear it all the time. It's like, that's not really my job. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you never say that. Right, right. And yeah. I mean, and people people are that ballsy these days mm. to literally say that and feel comfortable saying that. Like me, yeah, you would never hear me say that. I mean, not ever. It's just not anything that would come out of my mouth because I was raised different. Um, and, and, you know, I started at the bottom when I started my career. And I learned from those older guys that had that mindset of I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. And they jumped in and did it. Without being asked, without being told, they would jump in and do it. Oh, yeah. Um, No, I completely agree with that. And that was one of the big things was, uh, I think it was the first job I had, actually, was uh, Honey Supermarket on 10. I was a stock boy. So, you know, the 5.15 an hour job. If they liked you, you worked three days a week. If they didn't, you worked two. (laughs) So, one of those things. And, uh, like, the owner of it, Bobby, he was... He was a great entrepreneur, but he was also a very good leader. You know, like there were a couple of managers there that I could not stand whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, they were just like, I didn't understand how people could be on a power trip mm-hmm. being the manager of a supermarket. Right. But these guys were, you yeah. know, but Bobby wasn't like that. Bobby was cool. But he like flat out, like told me, we were talking a couple of times in the back. 
And uh, he talked about like kind of how he worked his way up into becoming an owner of a grocery store, a very, very popular grocery store in Vail. I mean, yeah. literally 90% of the population shops there. But he was talking about it, and he said that one of the biggest pet peeves of his was when somebody said, that's not my job. Oh, yeah. He said, I fire him right then because yeah. they're useless. Like your job is to be here for whatever I need you to do. Yeah. That's right. your job. Yeah. So and that's it's, kind of always what I've taken into the job market. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's, you know, I started my career, I guess, in, in what I do, uh, like 20th, well, 23 years ago full time. But then realistically, it was three or four years before that. So I've really been doing this for about 27 years ish. Yeah. Old. I know, so right? old. <laughs> well, just I was like 13, 14 when I started. So. Uh-huh. Um, but you know that was the thing. Like, uh, I mean, I was raised to work. Like, you know, that's what we did at home. We worked. I mean, there was ag, there was farming, there was you know mm. all that stuff that we did. And then, you know, it's time to get a job as a teenager because otherwise we're just sitting at home during the summers and not doing anything. So let's get a job. So you start working for a municipality. And at that point in time, I couldn't drive. I couldn't really even use power equipment, but you know, I could use a shovel and a rake and, mm-hmm. and all those things. Um, you know, and so I did that and I mean, I started at the very bottom, you know, and have, you know, I didn't come here. I've been at, this, at my current job for about 16 years. Um, and I came in as a, you know, mid-level supervisor then, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people took that, man, they, they didn't much like it, you know, cause I was only like 21, 22 years old at that point in time, Yeah, you know, coming in as a supervisor and everybody's like, Oh, you know, there's this, this college kid that, you know, just came in and got this supervisor job, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you have not a clue. Like I spent more time at the bottom than, than you ever have. Yeah. And have kind of grown through the ranks. Yeah. Did I go to college? Yeah, I did while mm. I worked. Um, but those were the but those were the same people that would go, well, that's not my job. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> yeah. like, no, that's your job, man. Like, mm-hmm. I hate to tell you, but that, that's part of it. Yeah. That kind of brings up a good point, too, is, you know, professionalism is also being a professional, like knowing what you're doing yeah. at a professional level. Yeah. You know, like I always joke that I got the easiest job in the world. And for me, it is because like you, you know, I've got decades in this, mm-hmm. you know, like I go get a massage at a massage therapist. We talk about the muscle structure and where my tension is and mm-hmm. what I need to do to open it up. I go to my chiropractor. We start talking about what's going on with my T5. Why am I having pain in my mid back stuff like that? Yeah. You know, like i I kind of use them as a way of uh, kind of ridding myself of, you ever heard of imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah. So I have that very badly. Like, I have no idea why I do it. Like, I'm well-known in the medical community around here. I'm well-known in the fitness community around here. But I still feel like an imposter, man. Yeah. And it's just something I have. So with that, you know, I go to my acupuncturist. I'm like, hey, you know, like let's talk about this. You know, and then we have like a debate. Like I can hold my own with a kinesiologist, yeah. all that stuff. And I know that sounds like a humble brag, and I don't mean it that way, but like that's the way that I kind of manage my own like mental disorder oh, of yeah. having imposter yeah. syndrome. But that's one of the biggest things about it is if you want to be a professional, I don't care what you're doing, man. I don't care if you're stocking shells. I don't care if you're loading trucks anything like that like you can be a professional in that and that's going to set you apart from everybody Mm -hmm. else in that industry yeah i mean your mindset plays so much um, a part of your you know your professionalism your leadership however you look at it your job Mm -hmm. growth Um, my mindset is everything um and and that's you know my recent my recent uh, boss who just passed the other week um, you know, I've reflected a lot on some of the stuff he said, um, and he did. And I mean, and you're talking about a guy who, you know, who was a professional who committed his life to doing his work and his craft. I mean, you won't find a per. I don't think you'd find a person around here that worked as much as that guy did and was as dedicated and loyal to his job as he was. I mean, he, you know, he was there before anybody in the mornings and he was he left hours after everybody left and when he got home he was still working 
because you were still get, you'd get emails and texts. But I mean, I mean, he it's it's not for everybody, but it worked for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he was one of those who who was always, you know, he was a pain in my butt. But it was, and for good reason, he was a pain in my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he he would always tell you, you know, your mindset has to be, I'm the best. Because if you didn't have that mindset, then, you know, were you the best or were you not the best? You know, yeah. if you if you didn't look at yourself and want to be the best, then were you giving your best efforts? Um, and and that's one of the things that, that I, I look at a lot and think about a lot, even with, with my guys. Um, and what we do, I want us to be the best. I want people to look at us and go, yeah, these guys are okay, but those guys—they—they they know what they're doing. They've got it going on, and that's—and you know, part of my professionalism is—is—is is, is recruiting and finding the right people for the right the right positions, um, that are smarter than me. I mean, yeah. you definitely want to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, he. he he was one of those people that really would push you out of your comfort zone over and over and over again. And his whole reason for doing that was so you could see this potential that he could see that you, A, either couldn't see it, didn't want to see it, you know, didn't know it existed, um, but he could see it. So he pushed you out of that comfort zone until you saw it, recognized it, and actually owned it and used it. Um so, you know, that's, uh, and then ever since then, man, that's one of my biggest things. Like, you know, I want to be the best or I want us to be the best, our team to be the best. So, you know, I try to be as top notch professional as I can, but also, you know, try to, you know, roll that into my employees. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, my throat got dry for a second. <clears> throat> But no, I completely understand that. And at a leadership role, that's definitely what you're looking for. But you're also looking for professionalism out of your lower end guys. You oh, know? Yeah, and I don't sure. want to say lower end, but like beneath you on the totem pole of, yeah, yeah. you know, your work structure. It's a, I mean, I kind of call it a, I don't call it a revolving door because usually door, doors are in and out. Hmm. Um, more of just a, you know, a, a revolving cog, I guess, maybe. <laughs> because my whole goal is to bring and my whole goal in my job and my profession is to go out and find recruits who who understand being a professional yeah. who understand that your job is a commitment um, who understand loyalty to your job who understand mm-hmm. that um, time is important efficiency all those things not just yeah. somebody that's looking for a paycheck because yeah. there is a difference there are those people that just want a paycheck and they're usually the ones that will be there six months, and then when somebody down the road offers, you know, thirteen cents more, they're going to jump, jump mm-hmm. ship. So, well, I, so I mean, there's something to be said for that too. There you is. know what I mean. There is. And like we'll we'll touch on that later on, but yeah, I mean, like I would never stay somewhere where I was undervalued and underpaid. Right. You know what I mean. And that, and that also, good, and that, and it's really dependent upon where, what kind of job and where you work. You know, yeah. um, because if you work at a, you work somewhere with, you know, 600 employees, you know, that's on a fiscal budget, an approved fiscal budget year to year, that's all fine and well, but you can't, it's kind of hard to give somebody, you know, a raise when you've got 200 other people in that same position that, that deserve a raise too, um, so, so how do you, well, like, how do you choose between those? It's like, how do you find that one person? Yeah. Oh, and I what, mean, that's, well, I mean, as a boss, what are you, what are the, I don't say qualifications, what are the attributes in the employee that gets that? Um, for me personally, um, a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of it's, a lot of it's mindset, attitude, Mm-hmm. Um, to all the traits that we covered on being a professional, right? All the traits you cover on yeah. being a professional. Uh, God, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, work ethic, 
punctuality, all that stuff. Yeah, you yeah. have initiative. That's a huge one. Initiative, initiative is a big, big one. Yeah, um, but when you know, so initiative, yeah. But again, in certain contexts, yeah, you know what I mean. You don't want that guy who's always doing some random stuff because he, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, there's there's you know there's well thought out initiative mm-hmm. and initiative that actually gets you moving towards your goal, and then there's just wasteful initiative that's just somebody that has a ADD trying to stay busy. Yeah. Basically using um, it as a way of procrastination. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, that's, well, I stayed busy. Um, I, yeah. I noticed that you put like 30 miles on the vehicle. And, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, uh, so one of my biggest things has always been punctuality and like, it's just one of those, it's my pet peeve oh, yeah, whenever I'm, I'm yeah. like, I have a schedule set with somebody and they want to show up late, you're literally saying my time is more important than yours and I will be there when I want to be there. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves on the planet. And that's one of the big things I talk to the new trainers about in here is, look, you know, our sessions last half an hour. You show up 10 minutes late, that's like showing up over two hours late to a normal job. Yeah. If you're five minutes late, that's like showing up an hour late to an eight-hour job because even though you're late for one client of – you know, twelve thirteen that day to that one client, you were late for them. Oh, yeah. you know, they get half an hour with you and you just pissed away five minutes because you couldn't get up on time. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean it's the same way with us. I mean, you know, if you're you know, you're late, you're slowing a you're slowing a whole truck down, slowing a whole process down. Oh yeah, you're slowing the whole crew down with your yeah, job, right? Crews down yeah. and somebody's gotta come back and get them or somebody's gotta take them. I mean, it's you know, it's a pain. Um but, and that's the thing, like, anytime I think about it, I always, you know, um, I think about Sam Elliott when he says, you know, um, early's on time and on time's late. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> uh, and my, and my wife, bless her, she wears a, she's got a t-shirt that says running late is my cardio. And oh, some of our biggest arguments, most of our bigger arguments, and, you know, I say arguments cause it's a few bantering, bickering yeah. words back yeah. and forth and pissed off for 20 or 30 minutes until you get there yeah and get over it but it's the fact that anytime we have anywhere to go we're gonna be late yeah and i'm always standing down there going you knew about this you know yeah. three days ago and we're still gonna be late you know oh, dude, that's um, the same way at us i'm like watching tv for half an hour while she finishes up and then she looks at me we're gonna be late it's gonna take me 30 seconds to put my shoes on yeah like i'm ready to roll yeah. let's let's get this done like yeah i mean i'll be down there and we're already like i'm we're already late like, yeah it's gonna take 15 <laughs> minutes for us to get there and it's two minutes till time for us to be there so yeah. we're already late so you know i'm i've been ready for 30 45 minutes mm-hmm. you know i'm like almost to the point where like i'm gonna have to go put deodorant on and change again because i mean my god i've been laying that you know and you're yeah. like well we're already late i mean whether we it's can't be late it, twice man yeah, it's gonna take us two minutes to get to the car so here yeah. we're at that point and so i'm like oh well i'll go to grab something it's like what are you doing we're going to be late. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, I've been that. yelling that for yeah. 45 minutes. <laughs> We're already late. So it doesn't matter oh, now. Yeah. BS. Uh, punctuality is, I mean, it's always a big one. It just, like you said, it shows respect. And two, it's easier to get your mind right and set on work when you're not stressing out because you're running behind. Yeah. Cause every single time, like without fail that I can remember whenever I leave the house running late in a hurry, I forget something at the damn house. Yeah. Where's my wallet, my watch, my sunglasses, my keys, whatever. Like I'm in such a blistering pace to get out the door, get in the car, get to wherever I need to be. Yeah. That something stops me. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a little bit more late because I got to go back in now. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I've got to, I've kind of got it. I mean, one, one thing that I think, and, and I guess it's, I guess it's just, I mean, I kind of, I'm regimented, two things and i'm such a creature of habit like Mm. it's probably it's probably a a mental thing like i probably should take meds but not i'm not into that but (laughs) but like that's a much longer conversation (laughs) yeah yeah like so i mean if my process gets off man like it's 
it, it totally screws me up, but generally it doesn't. Like, I mean, I do the exact same thing every morning, the exact same thing, you know, alarm clock. And I set an alarm clock, but I usually, I'm usually awake 45 minutes before it goes off. So I just kind of lay there and, and, you know, get my head into the game, I guess. So, you know, when the alarm clock does go off, I throw my legs over the side, grab my water, guzzle a bunch of water, put, put my bedroom slippers on, downstairs I go straight to the bathroom, do my man thing. <laughs> Morning constitution. Morning constitution. <laughs> Jump in the shower, shower, get out, into the bedroom I go, get dressed, or get partially dressed. Only partially, not fully, partially. Um, that's usually shorts, t-shirt, socks, and my slippers. Go to the kitchen, feed the dog, go outside, crank the truck, come back in, comb my hair, make my coffee cup, let the dog let the dog out, watch walk the dog, come back in. What after that? Now while the dogs while the dogs out. That's mm-hmm. when I get fully dressed. Dog comes back in, finish up the little nitpicky stuff, make sure I got my water, my protein, all that stuff in my pack, head out the door. Every wow. single day. Okay, so my morning routine's a little bit different. So I get up, get in the shower, get out of the shower, brew coffee, throw clothes on, come here, brew coffee for later, <laughs> and then get to work. Like, I don't do none of that little in-between stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, and I mean, yeah. on the And way, I usually do sit like 11 o'clock, and it's later in the morning. It's usually 8.15 for me, but, oh. you know. Oh, yeah, okay, so you're, yeah, never mind. Yeah. I was about to say, like, my morning routine happens at 5 a.m. I wasn't thinking that you go to work later than I do. Oh, no, no, I don't. My routine starts at 4.45 every morning, and. It takes you that long to get that stuff done? What? Good Lord, man. No, I don't take that until 8.15. It doesn't hit me till then. I mean, I've been in the office working for an no, hour. No, I'm talking about like you wake up at 4.45 in the morning and between getting dressed, brewing coffee, and letting the dog out, it takes you two out, three hours? No. No. I mean, I'm on the road by 6.15, 6, 6 oh, o'clock, okay. 6.15. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. My bad. I thought you meant like you left for work at 8.15. I was like, good no, lord. No, that's when I <laughs> get out of my chair and go do my, do my other gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I had no idea what you were talking about. I got completely lost in that one. But yeah, so like morning routines don't have to be extensive, but they do help to wake up, get ready for the day. All yeah, that and I've tried to tell so many, so many employees that because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my alarm clock didn't go off. I'm like, your what didn't go off? My alarm clock didn't go off. I'm like, you seriously depend on an alarm clock? I'm like, well, if I, you would like train your body to get into these patterns, you wouldn't have to worry about an alarm clock. Like, it's good to have it as a safety net because there have been some times when I'm just wore out, exhausted, and I slip until the alarm clock goes off, and I jump up. I'm like, oh, crap, you know? Like, I'm in, uh, fall down the step, jump in the shower mode, scrub, scrub, scrub really fast, and yeah. get out and go, and I see. I made up 10 minutes. Yeah, my alarm clock is set up to wake my wife up, or to, well, my wife's normally already awake because she's pumping for yeah. railing. So my alarm will go off, and that'll be her cue to come in there and wake me up because I sleep like a log, man. Like, seriously, I would sleep through anything. I slept through three alarms the other morning. Like, I don't know if I woke up and turned them off or if they just ran for so long they decided to cut themselves off or what. Oh, like, wow. I just, I don't know what it is, man. Yeah, whenever I did that, I'd get hit in the yeah. face or something. Well, whenever, like, I was single, it was just me. Like, I'd... Alarm would literally beep once. I'd cut it off, get up, and go. But ever yeah. since Raylan came, man, I don't know if it was those two thirty a.m. meeting or feedings that just like broke me down or what. Yeah. But dude, now <clears throat> alarms don't touch me. Like nothing wakes me up. I even set the one on my watch to where it like vibrates. Yeah. To where it like just irritates you until you wake up and do it. Nothing. Yeah, I stopped wearing the watch. I kind of felt like a big brother had a mic in my watch. And- Probably. I was talking weird stuff into my head while I was asleep. Could have been. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I, that brings up a good point, too. So um, since we had railing, you know, like those 2.30 feedings start to get to you after a little bit. And there was a couple mornings when I was late, you know, like, I mean, just completely exhausted, slept through the alarm, wife snored through the alarm, like everything. So, oh, so you're well, saying your wife one snores. time. 
Oh yeah, like yeah, a so mine. like a chainsaw man. Yeah, she'll ignore. She'll what? she'll yeah. say it doesn't. But <clears throat> anyways, anyways, like there was a couple times when I was late, you know, and whenever I was late, I felt like shit. You know, I messaged him on the way here. Whenever I got here, I was like, look, I'm I'm very sorry. Like I'm, I'll try not to let it happen again. I can't guarantee anything, but I'm really sorry. And they're like, oh no, it's cool. Like, I mean, it's the first time you've been late in three years. Like it's kind of hard for me to get mad at you, you know. So when you're constantly punctual, those one or two little times that slipped up, I think the second time is when he had that, like, ridiculous blowout. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever he, like, sprays one out and, like, you don't even touch the diaper. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just Comes out the shoots side. straight down a leg and up his back. Yeah, it was one of those. So that was the second time that I was late. And that was kind of, like, the same thing, you know. I was like, I'm, I'm extremely sorry. I'll try not to let it happen again. I can't make any guarantees. Oh, no, it's fine. We understand. We've been there before. Yeah. You know, you're going to have those mornings. Things are going to mess up. Kids will throw a monkey wrench and everything. But if you've already set the precedent that – or president tense? What, what precedent. Precedent. There we go. Not, the, not the president. Not the president. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. But so if you kind of set that, then they know, you know, like, oh, okay, he's not a slacker. He's not always late, you know. But, I mean, man, when you got the little one, it's going to throw you off occasionally. It is. And you just kind of got to work around do the best you can. Just apologize. Make sure that you're not one of those people who, like, you know, show up late once a week with a different excuse. Yeah. You know, oh, the car wouldn't start again. The worst <laughs> ones are the ones that use, like, their family's medical, like, family sickness. Like, yeah. oh, well, so, and then you come find out they weren't sick. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't uh, imagine. Yeah, like, don't wish that kind of crap on anybody, dude. That's like, dirty, man. Like, just be honest, because, like, with me, I'll flat out tell you, like, in I mean, I generally am not late. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm usually, I may walk through the office door, but it's not because I'm not in Hickory. I've been to this park or that park, or I've yeah. been downtown walking, or I've been somewhere looking yeah. at stuff. Um, I don't work in Hickory, but I just use Hickory as an example. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been in Lenore, um, walking around downtown <laughs> yeah. or, you know, checking out something. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know. Boom. So you're not technically on the clock, but I'm you're a, still doing your yeah. duties. Right, right. Because yeah. um, a lot of times it's just easier for me to go look at If there's something I need to go look at, it's easier for me to do it in the morning. A, I, nobody's going to call me in the middle of it. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to call me off of it. And generally, if I want to go look at it without somebody staring over my shoulder going, what are you doing? Yeah. I can go do that. Um, and, you know, and sometimes I get to talk to you know, business owners and things that are up early and, and, mm. you know, starting their day, I yeah. actually get to stop and talk to them and ask them how things are and, you know, just check in. And they're yeah, like, you know, yeah, hey, that's good. good to see you if you're hanging out at, you know, 6.15 in the morning. Sure. No biggie. It's <laughs> yeah. part of the job, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but no. that goes back to that whole job, or, you know, part of your job that's not really in writing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, it goes back to the customer service thing, too. I mean, they're not technically your customers, but you're still keeping the people happy, which right. is very important. But now another part of it is actually showing up for work. That's oh, the yeah. uh, that's the fun one that I realized whenever I was working in uh, one of the many warehouses I worked at was a, um, oh, my God, a leather tannery, local leather tannery that I worked at. And the funny part to me was the people always complaining that mm-hmm. they didn't make enough money would call out at least once a week and oh, like yeah. run out the door whenever anybody mentioned overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, look, man, like that, these are two ways that your paycheck gets higher is a, mm-hmm. you're actually here to work when you're scheduled to work yeah. and B you get the overtime in when it's available because like over there, you know, like certain departments, it was few and far between Yeah, other departments, man, you could just rack up the overtime. They'd approve, oh, yeah. they'd approve overtime weekly. Because there was plenty of stuff to do, but yeah. in certain jobs, you know, like you might get overtime once every three weeks. You know, you work over two, three hours once every couple of weeks. But the people who are always complaining about not having enough money or this bill didn't get paid or child support hit them and all this other stuff, man, they were the fastest one out the door whenever it's time to clock out. And, you know, that's one of those things, you know, on the leadership end of it. So, like, I'm like a leadership, like, I'm really into into leadership stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my bachelor's degrees in organizational and strategic leadership. Um, so I I love it. Heat it up, read it. You know, go to conferences when I can, and mm-hmm. and and all those things. 
Um, and that's one of those things where they have found, and, you know, a lot of studies have found that, that that is a huge part of this generational gap. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not a negative necessarily because it's a value system, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, a lot of Gen Xers and, and boomer, baby boomers and things like that valued, you know, valued the overtime and the extra money and the bigger paycheck and, and, you know, certainly time with their families, but it was just a harder working versus this newer, uh, the newer generation. They value time more so than they value this other stuff. They still like expensive things, but they still value that time. So mm-hmm. there's that whole internal struggle between I really want to make more money, but I really want to have this time for myself and my friends and things like that. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. The problem is where the problem you run into is a, well, you're not going to get, you're not going to make any more money that, that way. So you're not going to have the more expensive things unless you're job hopping. Yeah. And then for organizations, it's hard because you can't keep them happy yeah. because a, you can't, you need people to be able to work more hours or overtime and you know, they don't want to do that. And, and you run into that. We run, I run into that all the time. Like it's, they got one group that's, that loves to work it. They work it, they'll work it every day they can get it. And then there's another group that you have to like beg. Um, yeah. So like, so the way you laid it out, um, I agree, but at the same time, there was, there's been a lot of instances to where, and like, I know I'm kind of a outlier in this, but you know, whenever I worked at Tannery, I was, I don't know, 20 to, or 19 to like mm-hmm. 24. You know, I worked there like four or five years. Yeah. But it was like the mid to late 30s guys that were in that. So I don't know if it's, and of course, you know, not every person in generation is the same. Oh, yeah. But it's also yeah. like a cultural yeah. thing too. You know what I mean? But like the way you laid it out, you know, I'm kind of like the older millennial. So I'm like in that little weird kind of where you're mesh close pool. to where I'm at. Like, yeah. It's like I'm Gen on, X slash millennial. I'm right there on the line of the Gen X millennial. Yeah. But. I, most of my career, I worked with uh, baby, with baby boomers and Gen same. Xers. Yeah, same. And you know, so so that exposure to the the millennials is just a little bit different. But then there's some things on their end that I still, yeah, that I still have. I mean, I value more time now. Yeah. Okay. That's that's kind of where I was going with that. You know, like in my personal relationships. I'm more towards like the millennial side of things, people my age, maybe a little bit older, a little bit younger. Right. But in the workforce, mm-hmm. since I have always worked in like warehouses and stuff, mm-hmm. I've always worked with the boomers and right. the Gen Xers that, yeah. you know, kind of stayed on the lower end of the spectrum. But like at the same time, I, so I'm a huge fan of A, making the money, but I'm also a huge fan of A, I value my time because right. that's the only resource you can't get. So like it's, to me, I think the most important part is the balance between the two. Like, exactly, and that's yeah. where I was getting ready to go with that. Oh, okay. The Perfect. good thing about it is, is being straddled on that line, is it gives you that empathy to to understand where they're coming from when they want to spend that time. Because I've seen, I've witnessed so many people that I've worked with in the past that worked so much, mm. and they cut very little time out for their families. Yeah. Until, you know, I either somebody passed away or B, they, they retired and they passed away and they were basically worked themselves into, a, you know, their grave yeah. and, and didn't have that time. Um, but then it gives me the, I mean, I, I'm a little more empathetic so I can understand when, when the, when the younger employee comes and goes, you know, it's my kid's second Christmas and, or my kid's whatever, second birthday. And mm. I really, really can't be here. I want to be there for that. It's easy for me to go, heck yeah, man, you need to be there all the time for your family. So heck yeah. yeah. Anytime you want to take off for stuff with your kid, make sure you take it off. If your kid's having some function at school, you better be there. Don't be here. Yeah. You know, but a lot of guys, you know, a lot of that older generation will be like, so yeah. you need to be at work. They're going to have another one coming around next year. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you hear that all the time, but yeah. you know, it, that I guess I'm more appreciative of the fact that I kind of straddle that line because it does give me that 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 little bit of empathy mm. just to be able to look at and view it that way and go, you know, oh, I get it, man. Like, go enjoy it. 
yeah. enjoy them all while you can because they, you know, they get away from you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've, I've honestly, I've never heard it broken down that way. And like that was, um, that was one of the big things with me becoming a personal trainer was I kind of already had so many hours and so many years logged into this profession right. that to me, you know, it was a hobby. So like yeah. what I do here doesn't feel like work. So it doesn't feel like I'm giving somebody my time. Right. That was one of the big things you drew me to it. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like I'm still on my own time, Yeah. but at the same time, uh, I know I'm saying time a lot, but, but like in the, at the same time, I really feel like I'm kind of using my personal time to increase my paycheck. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I don't feel like I'm trading time for money. I yeah. feel like I'm enjoying my time all the way through, but I'm letting people kind of share my time. Yeah. For the increase of money, right. which was a great balance for me. I guess, I mean, to me, me personally, I have the best job in the world. I can't imagine doing anything else. Right. Now, there's a lot of things that I hate about the fitness industry, and yeah. we'll get into those into detail later on in other yeah. podcasts. Because trust me, I'll jump up on my soapbox. I won't come down for months. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things in this industry that I hate. But being in a small town like Hickory and not being locked to the online rat race and the yeah. Instagram photo wars mm -hmm. and all this shit. Like I can control my, not really industry, but I can control my impact on the industry. Right. You know, like I can push my personal training more towards the health side yeah. than the fitness side, because I think the fitness side is extremely skewed. So I kind of stay over more towards the health side of things. So that whenever I talk about that, I brought that up to say, you know, like the in-depth, um, part of your job is what you need to do. That's kind of what I did. And as far as like finding that time work balance, yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. Yeah. Like I know uh, you, everybody's yeah. heard of Tony Robbins, yeah. but he's got this uh, book and it was a great book. It was an extremely long book. Um, and I say long cause I listened to it on audible. I didn't like get the physical book of yeah. it, but he talked a lot about that too because he's a huge fan of giving back. He's a huge fan of having family values within your income. Mm -hmm. And the three things that he really talked about, and uh, I want to touch on this before we move on, was finding the three different numbers for your life. All right, so your first number, number is your essentials number. All right, so your essentials number is how much money do I have to make to get by? Right. How much money do I have to make to pay my bills? feed me and my family, pay for gas to get back and forth to work. Okay. So like, that's your bare minimum. That's the number you have to make to not go in the hole that month. Right. Now you have to find your comfortable number. So your comfortable number is all those essentials, like your essential number mm -hmm. plus your Netflix, you know, plus your, you know, membership to the gym plus whatever other online subscriptions you have, you know, like the stuff yeah. that kind of makes you comfortable to where you're okay. You know, right. like I can live this way yeah. basically. Then you find your happy number. So let's just say, you know, your essentials are, you know, 1200 bucks a month. The number's a lot smaller than you think it is. Because oh, yeah. whenever he was doing this, you know, I would go through and write up my numbers. But like, you know, your essentials are 1200 a month. I have to make $1,200 a month to pay all my bills, feed my family, and have gas and just the, you know, the basic utilities, power bill, stuff like that. And then you add on your comfortable number. So my comfortable number raised it up by like, I think it was like 400 a month, you know? So like, let's just keep it around numbers. Let's keep, say it was 1600 a month to live comfortably. Mm -hmm. So that's like no extra. That's not like, oh, I want to stop and get a coffee at Starbucks or, you know, like, oh, we're going on vacation and that. Yeah. That's what's rolled into your happy number. So your happy number is your essentials plus your comfortable stuff. So like your Netflix, your subscriptions, and then like whatever you need to take the one or two days or one or two weeks of vacation for the weekly trip to get coffee for the monthly trip for you and the wife to go out and get a nice dinner. You add all that stuff up and then you add that to the base two numbers. So your happy number could be, you know, $2,400 a month. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, man, there's no way I can live off $2,400 a month. But then you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, like, you know, this $1,000 of miscellaneous spending a month, where did that go? Yeah. You know? So, and that was one of the things that he was talking about was you can live on so much less money oh, than yeah. you actually think you could just because you're not looking at it, you know? Like yeah. one of the one of the biggest drawbacks to me having a banking account 
and like I didn't have a bank account for the longest time. You know, like I recently just got a bank account in the past eight years or so. Yeah. Everything I bought was cash. Was like I'm seeing a plastic card, and that plastic card don't get smaller. Mm. It don't get bigger. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I pull a wad of twenties out of my pocket. I kind of know what I'm sitting on. Oh, yeah. That starts getting smaller. I'm like, oh, okay, my numbers are going down. Yeah. But with that plastic card, man, it's so easy just to abuse that thing and type those numbers in online, type them in on my phone. You know, like you don't see the money leaving yeah. oh, your yeah. hand. Yeah. So that's one of the big things that I've been focusing on is, you know, every morning you wake up, check the bank account. Like I didn't spend a dime yesterday. I still woke up this morning, looked at the bank account, making sure one of those subscription things didn't come out that yeah. I thought would, you know? And so whenever you get that happy number, so I found that happy number and then I calculated how many clients do I need to hit that happy number? And that's kind of where I sit, man. You know, like yeah. don't get me wrong, my referral programs, they throw me extra clients. I'll take them on just because I want to do right by my referral programs. You right. know, like you get a good referral program and then you say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not taking no more, taking any more clients. They're going to start looking at your competitors, see if they are. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep them happy, but, Man, once you find that happy number, like how much money do I need to make? After that, anything you make is positive. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Let me let me back up just a second. In the comfortable number, you also want to add in ten percent of whatever that is for savings for retirement. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I can I can't believe I forgot that part because that's a very important part. So oh, that's yeah. gonna make you comfortable after you retire. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whenever you find your comfortable number, the number that I refer to is sixteen hundred. Add ten percent to that number. That way, you got ten percent every month going into savings for retirement. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about that. That's because most people don't think about retirement anymore. No, they don't. So. And I've really made it. You know, like I'm. I started thinking about retirement when I was sixteen, man. Yeah, I was like, the same here. I, yeah, I still plan. I still fully intend to retire when I'm forty-five. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Like yeah. I've got twelve years until I retire. I've That's got, the only way I look at it. I've got seven. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe that's so cool being seven years in retirement. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's the thing. Like I've already, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I've kind of got an idea what I'm gonna do afterwards, just to make mm -hmm. enough to do what extra stuff. Well, I mean, you gotta. I don't even have to, but I no, mean, but you still have to have a purpose, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why people die after they retire exactly. because their life purpose exactly. is gone. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of, I've, I've kind of had some some hits and offers on stuff to do mm -hmm. down I'll the keep road busy, man. that, uh, that'll provide us the opportunity to get paid really well, yeah. but also to travel pretty much the country. Mm, that's so, pretty cool. and then see, go places we haven't gone before and spend, yeah. spend weeks and months and other States doing work. And yeah. Well, I mean, like the power move, I think in every industry is becoming a third party consultant. Exactly. That's what you want to do, man. You yeah. like you do ten percent of what you actually got paid to do, yep. but you get paid five times more for doing it. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> my kinda, mom did that after she retired, and oh my god, that's pretty much yeah. what I've what I decided to set myself up for was was a consulting. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and I enjoy doing it, so that's oh, yeah. that's the thing. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, you're not being worked to death. You know, right. third party consultant. You set yeah. your own hours. Like, you tell them what's going to happen. And then you so go like, from there. So you want me to go to, I'm going to Colorado and I'll be there for three months doing consulting and, and design. Yep. Sounds like a plan. I'm, <laughs> we are there. Let's you know? do it. Let's uh, get in the, yeah. the RV or whatever it is and go yeah. or wherever we're staying, you know, and yeah. enjoy going somewhere. Because you'll retire about the same time I do. Yeah. Um, Man, that's if great. we didn't kill each other first. Eh. But I mean, you know, that's. Like nobody talking about retirement. That's just one of those things. Like nobody even talks about or thinks about retirement anymore. You can sit there and talk about retirement perks and benefits, and it just goes in one ear and out the other because people are so much thinking about today, right now. Oh yeah, man. And um, just how many people are out there living paycheck to paycheck? Oh, and I mean like before yeah. the world shut down. You know and what I mean? Nobody looks for like. I mean. And that, and that's kind of goes back to you know we were talking about that when I talked about people that would jump ship for thirteen cents, like in some jobs like thirteen I mean you know thirteen cents wow it's that's money whatever but yeah. there's you jump from a job that you have security to a yeah. job that you don't for thirteen cents it's like yeah you know how smart was that oh yeah and generally when people do that 
you usually get a call back in about a month going, hey, I'd like to come back. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's one of the big things about it, man, is a lot of the times in my prof- or my personal opinion, from what I've seen, I can't speak about, you know, every industry. But usually the lower paying jobs are the ones with the better benefits. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if they don't offer any benefits, they have to offer yeah. a higher dollar per hour. Yeah. You know, but if they're offering, you know, 100% match on your 401k up to whatever, health insurance, dental, yeah. all of this stuff, paid vacations, then they can, you know, kind of afford, or I won't say afford, but they usually pay a little bit less because you're getting a ton of benefits. And with that, you know, not, you know, whenever I was graduating high school, that was the huge selling point for getting a state job. Yeah. You know, you just flip a sign around on road construction, man, you'd be retired in 20 years. Yeah. You know, like you're making you know, $11 an hour for that 20 years. But after that 20 years, you get great benefits. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When I when I graduated high school, I was, you know, I was teetering on college. Was I going to go off to college? And, you know, it just it didn't seem appropriate for me because I hate clubs and groups. And, mm. you know, I don't want to be a, I don't be a frat boy or any of that garbage. So, you, Dude, know, you know, it was just like, yeah. I was a loner in high school. I was a loner right. in college. It didn't yeah. hurt my feelings. Yeah. 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 So, so when the, when, you know, and like I said, I'd worked, you know, part-time and full-time growing up in, in the job I was in. And when my boss, he was getting a promotion and came and said, Hey, what do you think about when you grad, you're getting ready to graduate? What do you think about moving into my job as a supervisor? And I was like, Ooh. like you know it's one of those like holy crap like because yeah. at that point in time I was working there part time I was laying brick and uh, masonry work part time mm-hmm. um, which I enjoyed that but every mason I know is you know bad backs, back bad knees, knees yeah. you know, and it was just like I, you know I don't want that nope. um, I actually want to enjoy life I mean and then they would all tell you like don't make a career out of this yeah. like if you want to do it on the side do it as a hobby you know great don't make a career out of it because yeah. you'll be ruined and i mean they were you know most of them were chewing you know, handfuls of pain pills you know every few hours because they're no. shot um but when he came and asked me to take that job it was all of a sudden like so here's my opportunity at 18 years old to step into a municipal job with you know benefits with security um and was the money great well no but it was all those other things plus the yeah. paycheck. I mean, uh-huh. you got paid every Friday. There wasn't any, wasn't any question about it. Um, you know, and back then, like you said, that was one of those jobs that if you got offered, you took it. Yeah. And then it was, well, we can, you know, are you gonna, are you still want to go to school? I'm like, yeah, I really want to go to school. So I got some scholarships, put myself through school the first time and then the second time and then the third time. And, um, and you know but and that all goes but that all goes back to the professionalism part of that the punctuality part of that Mm -hmm. um and that's where all that for me was created where all that you know getting there early being prepared knowing what i was doing um you know taking any experience um yeah working whenever they want me to work like we talked about the overtime thing like yeah being there man like my job there and you know, it was a small municipality. You're only talking like 16 full-time employees to manage that whole town. That's sanitation, Dang. public utilities, street, uh, landscaping, or and, and so and so. I had landscaping and uh, parks um, maintenance on on that end, and then you know there was the guy that was over utilities. But most of the time, I would have to go help. I mean, I had one, two full-time guys. Yeah. throughout the year and then I would have a whole slew of college kids come in and sling weed eaters and lawn mowers and all that stuff during the spring mm-hmm. and in the summer when they were out of school which was cool I mean I formed some good relationships and yeah. I mean I still follow a lot of those guys some of them have gotten careers in the same field and I'm like that's pretty awesome because I helped create that yeah. desire for them to do that so that's part of the payoff but, but man like I'd be working my job and get a the beeper, if anybody remembers the beepers, the beeper would go I do off. Not Yo, you don't remember the beeper? Oh man, my little Motorola. Beep 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 beep. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You're talking about a mobile pager. pager okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I thought the beeper. Was, I thought it was like some type of like equipment you were using no, for no, landscaping no. or something. The mobile pager. Yeah. Mobile pager would go off, you know, and you 
you know, you've already been there seven hours and well, we got a, we got a water line break in the middle of highway 70. Yeah. You know? And so 13 hours later, you're manning a jackhammer in the middle of highway 70 in a snowstorm trying to fix a water line, you know, and 20 hours later, you're still there. But yeah. I loved every minute of it, man. You couldn't, you couldn't get me away from it. Like I, I, the, when I would go home and just fall down and pass out, I was the happiest because mm-hmm. I knew I'd accomplished something, you know, like yeah. work me to the, work me to the ground. And I loved it. You yeah. know, I was up first thing in the morning, ready to do it again. They called and said, Hey, we need to do this. I was like, awesome. I'm on it. I love jackhammering, man. Like yeah. I've never heard so many people complain about using a jackhammer. I'm like, mm-hmm. I freaking love it. Especially when it was cold. Cause that kept the blood sugar up real good. So you were warm as long as you were on a jackhammer. Oh, that's right. Dude, um, I didn't mind working it. I hated the aftermath of it. Oh, it's yeah. where your shoulders yeah. twitch for oh, like four yeah. hours. <laughs> you can't feel your hands. <laughs> yeah. and... It's kind of like if, if uh, for the listeners, if you've ever ran a weed eater, imagine oh, yeah. that times about 100 that yeah. lasts for easily an hour, yeah, if not longer. Like in the summertime, when we were getting ready for, our, you know, our biggie was like the big festival at the end of summer. Um, so, you know, we worked 16-hour days pretty much, Yeah, you know, seven days a week for a couple just making sure everything was prepped and ready yeah and usually that meant you were running a weed eater for like 14 hours of those days so yeah yeah, i mean numb hands you know i mean it's it's just i don't know it's different man i mean because you just don't hear a lot of people talk about their jobs like that man i love what i do like Mm -hmm. i'm on the different i'm on the up the the other end of it now yeah but man i still love being in the middle of it i love when when they go hey you think you can handle it? I'm like, I'm on it. Like, yeah. even if it's outside of my realm of expertise. Yeah, you'll like, figure it out. <laughs> I wanna, I'll figure it out. I'll take care of it, make sure yeah. it happens. And then you become kind of a master of it, you know? Yeah. But it's it's not one of those things you find very often. Like, when you find employees um, who have that that motivation, it's it's not very often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... It's, and it's so so when we hire when I talked about hiring and looking for those specific people I mean you just got to pull that out of them and generally you can get that out of a just a sit down conversation you can pick up on those points pretty well oh yeah no I completely agree with that yeah and uh yeah I mean we damn we went in depth on punctual holiday on that one <laughs> <laughs> I was like sitting here looking at the clock. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a couple more podcasts talking about professionalism. Yeah. That's what but, I was saying earlier. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I so that's the thing long. about it. Like, that's what I want. That's why I wanted to bring it up mm-hmm. on the podcast is, uh, for the listeners. Um, actually just tell the listeners what you do. You don't have to tell them where you do it at, whatever, but tell them about the, uh, leadership summit basically that you teach or whatever y'all call it. Oh, so, so I'm in municipal government and I'm a, I manage in municipal government uh, a couple divisions. Um, so so that's all, you know, people management, asset management, you know, mm. uh, budget management, all that good stuff. Um, it's actually fun. Um, I don't, you don't hear me complain a whole lot about it. And the more they give me, the more I love it. Um, it has been crazy the last two years. I've been kind of swamped, but I've kind of enjoyed being swamped. And I've also learned how to be swamped, but also be, uh, be, existent at home yeah. so i found a good way to balance it um it's still stressful and there's anxiety and things like that but but anyway um but yeah we also have a uh we, we do a leadership uh academy every year um we actually send out uh an application to our you know our staff our divisions all of our divisions throughout the city and so people apply for that um and we have it broken down to where you know um, so we have a we have a steering committee, which uh, I'm part of that steering committee, and of course the steering committee, everybody on the steering committee teaches a portion, um, a day, half day class, um, and I, I and I tend to so my approach to that kind of stuff is, it, I can sit and talk to you all day long and in depth about stuff I'm really good at, and I don't know that you really get any you you don't benefit. You benefit from it some, but not as much as if I'm talking to you about something that I don't know a lot about, Yeah, if that makes sense. So, so, or I'm not great at, so I tend to, um, I teach every year about, um, uh, wellness for leaders. 
Um, and I can talk all day about the physical aspects of wellness, but the, what, what I struggle, my struggles in both my work life and just life in general are the mental end of that. You know, I've got, you know, we've talked about it before. I've got anxiety issues. I've had depression issues. Um, and those can all show up in your, in your career and your work life. Um, that goes back to your mindset, like, um, punctuality. I mean, it, it affects all those things. You're, your mental health affects your ability to do your job. It affects everything, every aspect in your life. Yeah, yeah. whether you're, uh, you know, an entry level employee or you're, you know, you're the main dude, you're the president. You know, mental health affects all that, and mm-hmm. so um, those are the things that uh, that we touch on in our class. You know, are the mental aspects, both the mental and the physical, um, and we tend to use. I tend to lean on a couple. Uh, counselors and things in the area that want to come in and, and give a spiel about mental mental wellness because a it, it it helps me to talk about it yeah because it helps me to identify things in myself and deal with those things and so hope my hope is that it helps our, our employees realize and see those things and learn how to cope with it and deal with it in their own roles as leaders so yeah it's it's actually one of those things i enjoy doing it um mm. Like I said, I get kind of geeky with leadership stuff. Um, <laughs> no, it's understandable, but I mean, that's one of the big things that we need. And I'm not saying like we need you as a leader. You no, mean, yeah. 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 That's a terrible idea. I don't want you to run anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. But, run trash control in here. There you go. Hey, you're in sanitation. Let's do it. But anyways, um, but no, like one of the big issues that I see a lot going on, especially in, you know, the time of the Rona is people are losing their jobs left and right. You know, mm-hmm. whenever whenever it comes down to it, and I'm not trying to be an asshole about this, but whenever it comes down to it, if I've got 80 employees and I need to cut 40 of them, mm-hmm. I'm not cutting out my professionals. No. I'm no. dropping out the jobbers. Mm-hmm. I'm dropping out the guys who are like, man, I only called in once last week. Yeah, You know, I'm dropping those guys. I'm dropping yeah. the guys who are like, hey, who wants overtimes? Not me. I got other stuff to do. I'm dropping those guys, you know, like I'm keeping my professionals. I'm keeping the guys that I know are mm-hmm. going to stay on task. That's another one we got to talk about is as far as staying on task slash uh, procrastination. Oh, yeah. But I'm keeping the guys who are working for the money. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not like, well, I'm sorry. I'm keeping the guys who are working for the money that they're being paid. Oh, you yeah. know, they're not just there to collect a paycheck. Mm-hmm. They like their job. They show passion with their job. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. If, I mean, if, if, and hopefully, you know, you're not faced with making those decisions because they are tough people think it's just you know and after the decisions made you know people are torches and pitchforks you yeah. know and it's like if you've never made that decision if you've never had to sit down and go through that if you've never had to let an employee go mm-hmm. shut up because you do not know what you do not know the mental hell that people go through now there's some people that make it real real easy as what I've worked for a couple people who enjoyed it. So and <laughs> there's people on both sides. It's the worst yeah. part of my job. I hate it. And I, I tell you, I that. will, I, I did just not come like the decision does not come lightly unless they do it on their own. Yeah. yeah. But even then, like I said, it's tough to take away somebody's livelihood. Yeah. I yeah. sit down and I internalize it 27 times. I figure out how it could have been handled differently. I figure out how, you know, and or think about how. And so, you know, it's, it's not fun. It's tough, and people man. think it's people think it's yeah. like oh he's just an evil bastard, you know. And it's like no, no, it's that's not it. And and so and that's there's one of those quotes and I, people share it on Facebook all the time now, man. And it's uh, uh was it Covey? Uh, I can't even remember who or Zig Ziglar or maybe say um, Kobe, Covey or uh, it might have been Zig Ziglar. I can't remember who it was now. Um, I don't know. It's and you'll see it. It's a meme and everybody will share it and it's and. To a point, yes, but I, I, I tend to disagree a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's simply, you know, people don't leave good organizations. They leave bad leaders. Oh, yeah. So, people don't uh, quit jobs. They quit managers. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and when I was that, when I was a, you know, mid-level or lower level, I could say that all day long and stand there and argue with you back and forth and, and mm-hmm. still say I'm right. But it, from doing what I do, 
trying to figure out. <laughs> I just love the fact that you're fired up. <laughs> like, you know, every time I see it, I just tend to question, like, so you were the perfect employee. You're sharing this because you think you were the perfect employee. So, because it's all the time. I mean, it's. I mean, you can be a. Like, you can be a terrible employee and then quit because your manager's just a dick. Right. Like, I've had some of the worst managers I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll go into those stories, and I'll name names because I don't give a shit about either one, of, either one of them. Like, if I hurt their feelings, good, I'm glad. Yeah. But they were terrible human beings. I'm not saying I was the best employee. I mean, right. I was a slacker. Right. But, like, you get people with Napoleon complexes. You get people who like to cuss employees in front of other oh, yeah, employees. No, I, like, was, I, was yeah, gonna, I was gonna get to that point, too. So, that's what I was talking about. Whenever I see that, I literally have like two names that pop in my head, and I'm like, yeah, I still hate those guys. Like, right. literally, those are probably the only two people on this planet I hold anything resembling a grudge yeah. towards to this and day. Now, and that's the thing, like, I, and I'll and as a leader, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, I screw up. I've screwed up in the past. Uh, you know, it's if you're not, if you're in leadership and you're not, if you don't say you're still in process, mm-hmm. you're still learning, then there's something wrong. But at the yeah. same token, what about the people that are just horrible employees? It's easy to say, oh, people don't leave good place, you know, good organizations, they leave bad managers. Well, mm-hmm. what about? Just, but those people aren't quitting. Those what about people are getting fired. bad employees that leave, <laughs> yeah. you know, good organizations, you know, or, or get canned. You oh, know? so still, well, I mean, if they quit, then awesome, you bad employee quit. But like with that quote, that ain't mean like they didn't get fired. Oh, yeah. They didn't no, leave the organization. Just, they were forced to leave the organization. That's one of those, and I look at it and it goes, I kind of look at it as a, like yeah. 15 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I'd, I'd say, you know, it was a great quote. Mm-hmm. But now, People leave organizations left and right because they're pissed off because they're not making a twenty five cents more, or they leave because you know they were told they were they were told to do something that wasn't on that piece of paper in front of them that said this is your job. Yep. Um, What about those people? It's a lot easier to say, well, I just left because my manager sucks. Did your manager really suck, or did you just get butt hurt because you didn't get the promotion that you thought you were going you should get? See, because we got a lot of those people now. We got a lot of those whiners out there too. That that it's... Oh, yeah, they do. But so, um, playing devil's advocate on that, if you have somebody in that situation, like one of my biggest issues was there was two promotions I was passed up on that I remember um, when I was at Best Buy, mm-hmm. and whenever I got passed up on them, a I knew the person both times that got the position that I didn't. Mm-hmm. B the people I actually worked with told me we have no idea how you didn't get that position. And C, the manager never told me who I need to work on. They never told me why yeah. I didn't get chosen for that position. They didn't tell me anything. Yeah. So like I said, I mean, it kind of, and that's one thing that I just, um, I wrote down a couple of notes for us to touch on future podcasts. And one of them is teamwork, even oh, yeah. upper and lower levels. Yeah. So like yeah. people think that teamwork is just your coworkers, but it's also like, you working with the entire team, whether oh, it's yeah. the managers, the supervisors, yeah. all of that stuff. You know, like you can, there's a lot of things you can do to make their job easier as well. And obviously there's a lot they can do to make your job easier. My, my approach and, and I, it's one of those I live by, I approach, I approach my, my job as I approach my family. Yeah. Um, my guys are my family. You know, we and I, that, they'll hear me say, they hear me say it every year. We're one big dysfunctional family <laughs> because every family has dysfunction. Yeah. Our work family. I mean, we spend 40, 50, 60 hours together yeah. every week, which is more than we spend with our own families. No. Um, so it's like, you know, we, we work together for 15, 20 years. We form relationships. I mean, we literally have to approach it as family. Mm. We have to be willing to help one another um put put our put others before us i mean those are all things that in my job that i that's how i approach it um no i completely understand that man um you know so so i'm not one of those that screams and yells and cusses my guy i mean it's just not it's not who i am first of all i'm pretty laid back yeah um you know and there's nothing to there's nothing we're gonna that's another one that goes back to my my uh my boss kevin um and 
he would always say, he's like, there's nothing we're, we can screw up. There's nothing we're going to screw up that we can't fix. Yeah. So I tell my guys, like, you know, it's, we, you know, they get all, they get bent out of shape, which is good. When they get bent out of shape about something, it means they take pride in it and they feel, yeah. you know, they messed up something. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, like, we'll fix it. We'll make it right. You know? Yeah. Um, and then we'll learn from it. What we don't want to do in the future. Exactly. Um, Great learning but yeah, lesson. I mean, that just, it, that whole quote, like, I don't know. It, <laughs> it bugs me down to the course. I because, can, because I know really good leaders yeah. who get shafted by really mm-hmm. crappy people. Well, I mean, it's one of the things you really have to take into context. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there has to be context behind it. Yeah. And I, like I said, I mean, if, if, you're in a, if you're in a leadership role, you have to be in process. Like, yeah, I don't think you're really out of the process until you... No, I don't think you're ever out of the process, man. There's yeah. always something you can learn yeah. and somebody that you can learn from. Yeah. So I definitely, no, I definitely understand that. And I see like what you were saying against the quote too. Yeah. yeah. But all right, man. Well, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's plenty for today. Man, it's yeah, a great topic. Out. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear the rest of what you have to say about the other topics. I need some carbs. <laughs> all right, everybody. I uh, hope you, um, I hope you appreciated and uh, enjoyed what we were talking about with professionalism. This is definitely going to be a multiple part podcast, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear the rest of it. Yeah, <laughs> I am, man. I'm glad I found a topic to finally can, fire you up. I hope I can keep my job. I'd <laughs> <laughs> ah, be fine. We'll release it later. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you. As always, leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to it at, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Later, tater. <laughs>